So we're in John chapter 5, and let's look at verse 16, and then we're going to pick up uh, the narrative uh, that John gives us. In verse 16, John chapter 5, And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things. What things? What is he doing on the Sabbath? He was healing people, setting people free. We're going to see that as we move through John. Uh, there's a man that's going to be born blind from birth that Jesus is going to heal. And one of the most amazing miracles that Jesus works is in John chapter 11, where he raises Lazarus from where? From the dead, yeah. And so the Jews were persecuting him. And we see that in, in the context here, um, like they can't rejoice. They're, they can't embrace uh, the goodness of God. They, instead of uh, having a heart that was full of joy for the man that was healed, they're only looking for one thing. They're only looking to create an opportunity uh, to take Jesus out. And all this week I pondered this. Like, why? Why did they? What was missing from their heart? And is it missing from our heart today? You know, what prompted them not to be able to rejoice? What, what prompted them to go to the place where they felt like their power base was so threatened that they had to destroy or kill or murder Jesus? Do, do, is our heart set up for something like that? You know, what would cause them to come to that place? Well, I'd like to share a little Greek word with you. It's in your notes. It's transliterated T-H-A-L. That's the first half of the word. And the second part of the word is M-A-Z-O. So thalmazo uh, is the word, thalmazo. It's a, it's a spiritual vitamin, if you would, that was really missing from these religious leaders. And it can be missing from our life, thalmazo. And I was wondering, like, how do I convey this Greek word in a way that gets beyond your religious protection, gets, gets, gets beyond your religious barriers. And so I, I came up with a picture that I want to share with you. It it's, reflects Thaumazo in the heart of a six-year-old. Now, anybody tell me who this six-year-old is? <laughs> this is my granddaughter, Teal. And, uh, you know, if you, one thing I'll say right off the bat, if you've got a problem with unicorns, we're going to have a special healing time, prayer time afterwards. <laughs> but this is her sixth birthday. Describe in one word her face. Joy. Joy. Ecstatic. Someone else. There's no wrong, surprise. There's no wrong answers. What else? Anyone else? I would say that I would describe it as, as wonder, as amazement, wonder, amazement. Thaumazo means this. It means a sense of wonder. It means to be amazed. It means to marvel. It means to be extraordinarily impressed. It means to be emotionally overwhelmed in the positive or emotionally overwhelmed in the negative. Thaumazo is, is that sense of awe and that sense of wonder. 
And what the religious leaders of the day lacked is they, they, they lacked this wonder that we find so common in young children's lives. If you think of a young child, and I'm getting re-educated again in young children. Like if you, if you have a two-year-old, and Grace turned two years old last week. Can you remember a time when you saw a two-year-old? Like one of their favorite things is what? They learn that they can hide themselves. And so this week when I was meeting with Grace, Nancy and I were spending some time with Grace, she would go behind this big, huge oak tree, and, and you know, half of her is sticking out and half of her is in, and she'd go like this, and she'd sneak around, and she'd go, boo-pa. <laughs> and there was a sense of wonder within her heart that, that she could hide herself. <laughs> Do you remember that time when you had a little one that you would play peekaboo with them? And they, they could hide themselves. Or how about a three-year-old, four-year-old? I have one of those. His name's Artie. And Artie can become a superhero at any moment and spin around and fly in the air because he has wonder in his heart. Or a six-year-old who is amazed and has wonder. What does wonder lead to? You don't have to answer, but think in your heart. What does wonder and amazement lead to? It leads to curiosity. Do you remember in Exodus chapter 3? Moses is there, right? He's kind of walking through his day. And what happens? There's this, what? Burning bush. And Moses is amazed at seeing this bush that's burning but still is not consumed. And he does what? He turns and he moves towards the bush out of what? Wonder, which brings forth curiosity. See, the religious leaders of the day had lost their wonder and their amazement about God and because of that, they lost their curiosity. And because of that, they, they stopped believing that God would still work in their day. Now, before you th say this, you know, Conway, you, 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 like, you've gone off the rails. Let me proof text it for you. Look at verse 20, chapter 5 of the Gospel of John. Look at verse 20 with me. For the Father loves the Son. And we'll, we'll come back and work through all of this verse by verse, but look at this point. It says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may what? Thaumazo. So that you may marvel, so that you may have wonder, so that you would be extraordinarily impressed and even overwhelmed at the beauty and the majesty and the glory of God. And when you lose that amazement, when you lose that wonder, you become stoic in your heart 
And you begin, as you get older in life, as you lose wonder, you lose curiosity. As you get older in life, you begin to feel like, hey, I have God all figured out. I know how he works. I know his word. And, and God becomes this person that we put out here rather than let him live and move in our hearts and lives. And so Jesus, as a remedy for this, comes to them to remedy the fact of their lack of wonder about God and begins to share with them the amazing truth about the Trinity. He begins to share the amazing truth that they had confined God that that the Sabbath regulations, if you look back and did a little bit of historical research, you'd find that the rabbis believed that God, even God, did not do anything on the Sabbath. Is that God stepped away from his work, which is Jesus is going to come and remind them that the Sabbath wasn't made for God, but the Sabbath was made for who? The Sabbath was made for man. And so come to the text with me and see how Jesus remedies this lack of wonder, this lack of curiosity, we come to verse 18. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, and we've looked at that for the last two weeks, 39 different laws about Sabbath keeping. One of them was uh, number 39, was you can't lift up anything, that was number 39, that the man that got healed, he, bro he broke that, remember that. He picked up an object, which was his mat. He says, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. One of the, say, straw man arguments that you hear from, say, non-believers, non-Christians, is that Jesus never claimed that he was God. Have you, have you heard that? He never claimed that he was God. Well, I just beg to just call your attention to the text here. And in your study notes, you'll find in John chapter 10, Jesus, Jesus emphatically once again claims that he is God. And so come on to verse 19 with me. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Look at verse 17. But Jesus answered him, My Father is working until now, and I am, and I am working. And so Jesus' remedy to the religious leaders of the day and their way of confining God was to say this, God is working, he is always working, and I am working. Jesus says to them that uh, God is working, I am working, God is speaking, and he continues to speak. See, the great thing that the religious leaders did that they forgot, that God is always working to heal the broken in heart and God is always working to bring healing to those that are struggling in life. And that God doesn't take a Sunday off. Or in this case, a Saturday off. 
And when we believe that God is no longer active in our life, it begins to shut down our spirit. When we believe that we have God all figured out, we no longer go to God in prayer. When we think that God is distant from us, then we begin walking in our own strength. And that's when we begin to fall away. And that's when we lose our joy. And that's when we lose our faith. See, these religious leaders thought they had God all figured out. Jesus comes to them. No, I keep on working so that you may what? So that you may have thalmazo, so that you may still wonder, so that you would still be amazed, so that you would still be curious, so that you would continue to pursue me. When's the last time, when's the last time you were amazed at what God was doing in your life? When's the last time you took a step back from the word of God and just simply said this, this is simply extraordinary and amazing because that's who Jesus is. That's who he wants to be in your life. He wants to be that God that intervenes and works in your heart, in your life. And so the next, for the rest of this chapter, Jesus does three different things. Is them. He says this, that God is the source of all life. We're going to see that in verse 21, 24, 25, and 26. He's going to say, God is the judge. And he's going to say, God is to be glorified. And now the most amazing thing is that this Trinitarian formula of God, or a Trinitarian understanding of God, that John brings out that Jesus teaches. So not only is God the source of all life, but the Father has given to the Son the authority to grant life. And so as the Father has all life, which is, you know, Genesis 1.27, he's the source of all life. The most amazing, extraordinary thing that he's given authority to grant life to the Son. Take a look at verse 21 with me this morning. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Then we go to verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He who does not come into judgment but has passed from life to death. And so the extraordinary thing is that through belief and trust and faith, in Jesus Christ, God, the source of all life, gives authority to the Son to give life. And as we come and have faith, as we repent of our sins and have faith in Jesus Christ, he gives us eternal life from the moment that we believe. It's extraordinary. Amen. It's wonderful. It's amazing that at the moment that we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we begin present tense walking and the life that's to come. We experience a taste of the life that's to come. And so therefore, we no longer walk according to the carnal things of our, of our old nature, but we begin to walk in newness of life, and we begin to walk into our destiny that we have. And the religious leaders of the day were not curious about it. They didn't give any weight to it. 
Have you given any weight in your life to the fact that when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that at that moment, you begin walking, you begin experiencing, you get a taste of what will be fulfilled and complete at the end of the age when you leave this life and you enter heaven and God says, welcome, my good and faithful servant. Jesus says, John records, that God is life and the, and the Father empowers the Son to give eternal life to all those that come to know him as Lord and Savior. Second thing, amazing, astounding, that Jesus begins to display about the Trinity is this, is that God is judge, Genesis 18.25, and the Father entrusts both present and future eternal, eternal authority to judge the living and the dead. We see that in verse 22. Come there with me. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And then he goes on in verse 27, talking about present judgment, talking about future judgment at the end of the age. We come to verse 27. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man, speaking of Daniel. And then finally, the third part of the narrative that Jesus gives is an insight into the Trinity. And we find that in verse 23. God is to be honored. God is to be glorified. And you see this, this exchange. Let me read the text, verse 23. That all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Who does not honor the Son, does not honor the Father who sent him. And so, I don't want to diminish the Trinity, but, but it's like three Goombas, you know? Do you know what a Goomba is? I can see you didn't grow up in an Italian neighborhood. They're friends. They're buddies. They're, they, they hang out together. And three friends, when they get together, they're always patting each other on the back. Oh, you did good. You know, like, like as boys growing up, we, down at the end of the Fountain Street, we, we always played uh, tag football together. We always played baseball together. Like our whole neighborhood was full of baby boomer kids, you know. And one neighborhood would play another neighborhood, and we would win. We would all, we'd all kind of, you know, kind of do a huddle and, and pat each other on the back. Oh, Conway, you did good. Oh, you did good. That's the Trinity, is that they're three separate but one. In Greek language, it would be described as perichoresis. Peri, meaning around, and choresis, meaning choreograph is that the three are having a, a dance together, moving and giving honor and giving glory and giving preference to one another. And here's the great truth, is that the Lord invites us to have that type of amazing relationship with him. Because when the, when the, when the son was departing, when the son was ready to leave, he says, don't, don't be worried. I'm going to send the comforter to be, to be with you, and he will dwell within you and be with, it, be with you forever. And he will witness. He will witness to the truth, and he will witness to me. And so Jesus, when he confronts these leaders, 
he invites them again to experience wonder. He invites these religious leaders to, to be amazed once again. And what he gives them is a picture of the Trinity, an amazing, difficult, this side of heaven, to put our mind around, that the Father loves his Son and shows him all that he's doing. The Father's never stopped working. He keeps on working. The Father's given all life to the Son, and those that put their trust and faith in him could experience eternal life. The Father is the judge of all, and he gives all judgment to the Son. And so who is ever in Christ is free from that eternal judgment. God is to be glorified and honored. The Son glorifies the Father by being obedient. The Father, Philippians chapter 2, glorifies the Son because he's obedient. And the Spirit glorifies God as, a trinity, as the Trinity. And it's all about the awe and majesty and beauty that we can find in God. When we begin to lose that awe and that wonder, we begin to lose the curiosity to seek after God. When we lose a sense of his beauty, his majesty, that he's working today and he wants to work in our heart, we become like these religious leaders. Now, we don't like that. We don't even like the sound of that. But we become dull in heart. When we look at people's lives and, and see God working, we say, oh, so what? That's no big deal. And so let us do this. Let us ask God to restore eyes to see his beauty. Let us ask God to restore our eyes that we could see him working in other people's lives and be thankful and rejoice. Let us ask God to restore a heart that is curious and seeks after him, just like Moses did at the burning bush. If we'll have a heart like that, a commitment like that, then when God displays his works, we'll be like that, we'll be like that person described in verse 20. We'll be amazed, and we'll give thanks, and we'll glorify God. And if we'll do that, be amazed, glorify God. We'll find joy in our hearts as we see and believe that God keeps on working and he works into our day. Can you say amen? amen. Let's uh, prepare our hearts uh, to receive uh, the Lord's table uh, this morning and then we'll pray together.